Well, welcome to Stony Brook, friends. It is good to be in worship with you today. I am Pastor Jennifer Casey. I bring you greetings on behalf of our preacher today, Pastor David Hoffman, along with our Pastor Emeritus, Pastor Bob Thomas. As we begin our time together, you will find your connection card in your bulletin packet. Uh, or online at stonybrook.church. I invite you to pull that out and uh, fill it out. This is a place for you to uh, share with us that you have been a part of worship today. It is a place for you to share any uh, joys or concerns that you would like uh, the congregation to be aware of. Uh, and it is also a place where you can register your interest in any upcoming events or classes. You'll find that information on the back of the card. Um, it is exciting because it is almost time for our children's choir to begin. Our adults have already been singing for a couple of weeks, and now it's time to invite the children back to be a part of worship in that way. And so if you have or know of a kindergartner through fifth grade who loves to sing, uh, they are invited to start coming to the rehearsals that will begin on Wednesday, October 6th, led by our very own Miss Christina. So we are excited for that. Our kiddos will be singing in worship service uh, one time per month in the 930 service. Uh, also, uh, for the children of Stony Brook and the children of our community, Stony Brook is going to be having a pumpkin trail on Saturday, October 16th. This community event is going to feature a Halloween creature show and also some trick-or-treating along the trail that will all be held outside on our beautiful property. Ms. Kristen, our Director of Children's Ministries, is looking for volunteers to help with this event. So if you uh, are feeling called to bless our community in this way by helping out with this event, you are invited to either see Ms. Kristen for details or go to stonybrook.church kids to sign up and for more information. Also, our production ministry continues to grow as we have added live streaming, as we are back here in person together. Our production ministry has lots of needs for, um, for servants to help out. We are looking for people to help with sound, with graphics, with uh, uh, doing the camera in the back and other things as well. And one way that you can uh, be a part of that is by volunteering for this ministry. I've been told you don't need any experience whatsoever. Just a, um, a spirit of being willing to be trained. And so Garrett Keener and Josh Howie are, are here and lead in those areas and are here to train you all. Uh, you are invited, if you're interested, to open up your camera, if you brought your smartphone with you, to open up your camera and point it at that QR code that you will see on the screen. It will then invite you into um, a website, so just click on that and it takes you uh, right to the page that would have more information and to indicate your interest. 
you will find all of the information I just shared with you and so much more about the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church uh, in your bulletin packet or through our website at stonybrook.church. At this time, I invite you to quiet your hearts and your minds as our prelude prepares us for worship. invite you to rise in body or in spirit as we are called to worship. You will find your responses in bold. Sometimes we wonder how we have gotten through some difficult situations. God has been with us, lifting and comforting our spirits. We struggle and worry. God's loving presence sustains and strengthens us. Listen for God's call to you. 
Lord, we are listening and seeking your guidance. Amen. Join me in a spirit of prayer as we turn our hearts to God in prayer today. How is it that you turn death into life? How is it that you shine forth in the midst of the shadows and grayness? How is it that you are who you are? The God of it all the Alpha and Omega, the Great I Am, the one whose name is above all other names, the name we call on today, every day, as we struggle, <laughs> as we weep, as we sing, as we praise. You are there to receive whatever it is we are dealing with, you are there to receive however we are feeling. Thank you for being a God who stands with us. Our hearts are full of pain, O oh God. Pain from fractured relationships, pain from loss, pain from addiction, pain from disease, pain from injustice. We are tired, tired of the pandemic, 
tired of the anger, tired of the ugliness. At times we are so empty inside we don't know what to do, where to turn, who to seek out. Remind us that even when we're feeling lost, lonely, abandoned, you are there waiting, reaching, drawing us in. Today, O oh God, comfort those who are grieving, calm those who are scared, heal those who are suffering. Be the God you have promised to be, the one who brings forth life from death, the one who turns pain into joy, the one who never leaves, is always guiding, and loves no matter what. As we have this assurance, remind us that it is our call, our responsibility, our joy to share your message of hope, of healing, of good news with the world. Nudge us to reach out to our neighbors in helpful, healing, and collaborative ways as we all work together to tell the world about you. We pray all of this in the name of the one who embodied you, Christ Jesus, as we now join our voices together, praying the prayer that he taught us by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you. Today's gospel lesson comes to us from the eighth or ninth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, verses 38 to 50. I invite us to hear these words. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him. For no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of cold water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, It would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and and to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, But if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Friends, this is the word of God for all God's children. Thanks be to God. Pastor Jennifer is just so happy she doesn't have to preach on this text (laughs) this morning. So I invite us now to hear this, this response to the word. Kevin.
Jesus' name I have found new life. In Jesus' name there's no fear or strife. In Jesus' name living comes alive. And that is why I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Kevin and Christina. Let us pray. Thou who art over us, thou who art one of us, thou who simply art, give each of us a pure heart that we may see thee, a humble heart that we may hear thee, a heart of love that we may serve thee, and most of all, a heart of faith that we may always abide in thee. This is our hope. This is our prayer this morning. Amen. A father and son went fishing one day, and after a couple hours in the boat, the boy suddenly became curious about the world around him. And he asked his father, how does this boat float? Well, the father thought for a moment and then replied, don't rightly know, son. The boy returned to his contemplating, then turned to his father. How do fish breathe underwater? Once again, the, the father replied, don't rightly know, son. A little later, the boy asked his father, why is the sky blue? And again, the father replied, don't rightly know, son. Worried he was going to annoy his father, he says, Dad, do you mind me asking all of these questions? Of course not, son. If you don't ask questions, you'll never learn anything. <laughs> this morning we find out that the disciples are still learning from their teacher, from their rabbi, Jesus. And in contrast to the son and the father, Jesus was giving them answers, but they still were not getting it. We find more answers in this morning's text. In fact, it's, it's difficult to even get past the first sentence, that first text, without taking a pause. I believe that there is enough here for a whole series of sermons in this first sentence. At the outside, we find these words from the disciple named John directed toward Jesus. He says, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him. We tried to stop him because he was not following us. We saw him, and we tried to stop him. 
Now, it might at first seem like a harmless observation. Still, given, given Jesus' response to John and to the rest of the disciples, there must be many implications as it relates to the mission and scope of Jesus' ministry. Surprisingly, we find that the 12 disciples were still trying to be in control and still trying to dominate the situation. They were still trying to understand their, their own identity as followers of Jesus. And just before today's text, the disciples were arguing about who, which one of them was the greatest, which one of them was going to be in control after Jesus was gone. We quickly discover that the questions about status and, and privilege have not been fully answered in their minds, and it has yet to be settled. And now, it's just not a few of them, it's the entire group that's adopted this need for exclusivity and being set apart. You see, grammatically, there has been a shift in pronouns about which one, of, which one of them is the greatest to now we and us? We saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. John told Jesus that someone was not following their rules. <laughs> the rules that the disciples had in their own minds about following Jesus. The man was using Jesus' name without permission. He was plagiarizing their healing formula. He identified Jesus as, as the source of healing and wholeness. They didn't know what to do with him. John thought that he had unearthed a, a scandal. Someone outside of their immediate circle had been caught right in the act. Doing what? Sinning? No, he was acting like Jesus. Terrible. We're the 12. That's our job. That's our responsibility that the disciples must have been turning over in their minds. And how ironic. Earlier in, in, in today's chapter, none of the 12 could exercise a demon, an unclean spirit from a boy. Now they wanted to forbid someone who was doing the exact same thing, but this time successfully. The man was able to do what they had failed to do. They did not even know the identity of the man who was casting out demons. They knew nothing about his faith or his life story. They had not done their due diligence. What they knew, however, was that the man was not following them on the way. He did not fit into their, their understanding or their categorization of what it meant to follow Jesus. He did not fit into their mold. Now, this is not new to us either. My New Testament seminary professor, Dr. Robert Tannehill, in his, in his book on the Gospel of Mark, says this. He writes this. The attitude of the disciples, unfortunately, is quite common between churches and even among groups within churches. Those not following us 
are a danger to our organization and to the influence that we exercise within it, he writes. The stronger the danger, the stronger the jealousy. And he writes, this jealousy can even put on a theological mask. We begin to give theological reasons why our group is right and the other group is wrong. He writes, this may simply be a way of trying to control the loyalties of our supporters. So the most serious split within the Protestant church today is between liberals and conservative evangelicals. And there, there are real important differences here which are not simply caused by jealous rivalry. But jealous rivalry aggravates these differences and makes them difficult to deal with. The problem is also intensified, he writes, by the inclination of some Christians to define Christian truth in a way that excludes others. Theology is important, but a person's faith may be true even when the theology is false. Those who make the acceptance of, of certain beliefs a final criterion for salvation are attempting to limit God's goodness to themselves and those like them. He writes, this leads directly, directly to the danger that the gospel is warning us against. For the claim to exclusive truth and exclusive salvation easily becomes a claim to the greatest. It sounds a lot like the ongoing battles within the United Methodist Church over human sexuality and scriptural interpretation. And again, this is not new. <laughs> Dr. Tannehill penned these words in 1977. And not much, not much has changed. We still struggle with power, with authority, with privilege, and who is the greatest. We saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we, we tried to stop him because he was not following us. To borrow a phrase from the last decade or so, what, what would Jesus do? <laughs> and Jesus responds to John and the rest of the disciples a little further in the text. Do not stop him. For no one who does a deed of power in my name will soon will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. Now, given Jesus' response, maybe we shouldn't just sit back and watch the outsider as he heals another. Perhaps we, we shouldn't put up a, a stumbling block in the outsider's path. Perhaps we, instead, maybe we should join him in helping to bring healing and reconciliation. Whomever the hymn represents for us. You see, apparently for Jesus, there is room for variation and diversity in following him. In fact, it is expected and it's respected. We need to set aside our defensiveness and understand that we are all working toward the same goal. 
And ultimately, it wasn't up to the disciples or to us to judge whom God works through. God is open to working with and through everyone. Anyone who is working toward healing and reconciliation and promotes life is on God's side. Why is that often such a stretch for us to believe? Jesus was not out to set up an exclusive, set-apart movement. Jesus' mission is inclusive. After all, like we've been talking about, he has included us as Gentiles. The disciples seem to have a need and desire to fix Everyone, by using the same, same tools and approaches, however, some of those tools and methods are not necessarily from Jesus. Prior to Jesus' instructions, the disciples were judging folks by their own standards and were ready to separate and, and to cut others off. Jesus then warned the disciples about the implications of halting or getting in the way of life and the life-giving work of others. He says, if any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. You see, the warning was not for the outsider, but rather for the insider who should have already known better. And then Jesus then turned the tables and said, if you want rules to live by, <laughs> I'll give you some rules to live by, <laughs> you who think you are the greatest. Jesus turns to the disciples and, in an exaggerated fashion and gives them rules that he knows that they can't live by nor follow. How ridiculous it would be to have to cut off one's hand or foot or pluck out one's eye in order to follow Jesus. If they... <laughs> Or we took that part of the text literally, <laughs> we would all be in trouble. <laughs> you see, it's never, ever, never, ever about who is the greatest or which side is right and which side is wrong. It's also not about relativism or anything goes. Being the greatest and receiving the reward in God's kingdom is about following in Jesus' way. True greatness, Jesus said, is not to be above others. It's not to be above others, but to be the least of all and the servant of all. It's not about ascending the social ladder, but rather descending it and taking the lowest place. It's not about seeking the company of the powerful, but welcoming and caring for those without status, such as the child that Jesus had just embraced and placed before the disciples. Now there are a couple things I will take away from this morning's text and struggling with this text all week. If you were a part of Wednesday's Bible study, we struggled with this text. But the first image that I'm going to take away with me is the image of the outsider offering a cup of water to the insider that's unheard of. That's unexpected. 
And this gesture of hospitality and care reminds me not to discount those who are outside of my circle who are working toward the same goals of bringing life and God's kingdom here on earth. That outstretched hand invites me into relationship where I can learn more about others and learn more about myself. In the last sentence, which kind (laughs) of ties everything up neatly, right? (laughs) The last sentence of this, today's pericope, reminds us to be in peace with one another. Now, I would suspect that this means that we aren't necessarily always required to agree with one another, but that we are called to work together to follow Jesus and to bring life. And given this morning's text, that may look different for each one of us. Dick Murray, a pioneer of adult education within the United Methodist Church, created uh, principles for Bible study, which were a part of the disciple Bible study movement in which many of us probably have participated. And there are several principles that he lays out that are relevant for this morning's text. Number two, he writes, no Christian has a monopoly on understanding either God's word or the words of scripture. This includes biblical scholars and the most unlearned Christian. All of us must listen to one another as we seek to understand the richness of God's gifts. Number three, we must assume that everyone has Christian integrity and not accuse one another of being unchristian, no matter how unusual are the opinions. Four, we must assume that we will arrive at different understandings of portions of Scripture, and that will not disturb God as much as it will some of us. (laughs) Six, while we accept our differences We do not feel that those differences are unimportant or that they should be ignored or treated as if they did not matter. And seven, different biblical understandings can remain among us, but we still can be warm Christian friends. In fact, as we grow to better understand our differences, we can grow in our appreciation of one another. Friends, May it be so. May it be so. Amen. Stony Brook has a history of understanding that it is our responsibility to partner with uh, community ministry groups so that we can all together bring about God's kingdom here on earth. Uh, Currently, our ministry partners at NEMAP Food Pantry are in search of some items so that they can create some hygiene kits for some of their clients. You are invited to participate and support this ministry by uh, bringing in the items that you will see listed on the screen or in your bulletin uh, back to the church so that we can support our ministry partners and support our community. As always, you can give your financial gifts in the baskets on the way out or online through stonybrook.church slash give. At this time, I invite you to rise as we sing our doxology and bless our offering to God.
gifts back to you with joy and thanksgiving in our hearts. As we return them to you, we ask that you bless them, multiply them, and move them throughout our community as you move us to partner with others to bring about your kingdom in this world. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. it is that grace, that power, that grace, those gifts that we need to follow. God has gifted us in many ways. Let us be that word of peace in the lives of others this day. We have promised. Let us go out and serve. Amen. Amen.